Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. All right, guys, welcome back. Earn your leisure. Um, this is this is a, a, a different episode for us where we tell stories. The thing with Earn Your Leash is that we, we do a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do like blueprints on businesses. Sometimes we highlight a person's journey. Sometimes we tell stories. Shout out to Kenny Burns. Uh, legendary. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> a crazy to, story. Shout out to Nick Storm. Nick Storm. Another shout one. Out to Nick Storm. That's another one. That's a fact. So this story is um, it's a financial story, mm -hmm. and but it also deals with the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. It deals with... Um, all kinds of biases inside of that. It's, it deals with the financial crisis of 2008. Lehman Brothers. As well. It's a whole bunch a lot of, of stuff. It's going a lot on. of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I'm excited to have this conversation, and this is something that I think is is going to be extremely informative. Yeah. Educational, and um, captivating. Also, I think captivating yeah. might be the word. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like, and I told you this beforehand, but I didn't tell you, um, our guest. Uh, my parents, uh, you know, they in their sixties, late sixties, early seventies, and um, they just figured out how to use YouTube. And um, once they, they got on, this young lady that we're going to talk to uh, in a second was on their YouTube channel, and they watched your story and were blown away. Like they were like, "Troy, come downstairs right now. You got to watch this." And we sat down and watched your story and just were blown away. So when I told them, like, "Hey, guess who we're about to have on, on your leisure?" She was like, "Are you serious?" So this is going to be my mom's favorite episode. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So. Jamila T. Davis, um, you might have seen her on Love and Hip Hop. Um, you might have seen, I think the interview you're referring to is a Breakfast Club interview. Yep, yep. She's a published author. She's an entrepreneur. She has a program in school we were just talking about mm -hmm. now where um, she's going into school teaching financial literacy along with a bunch of other programs. Um, but before that, she was incarcerated for nine years. Um, and before that, um, she was very big in the credit industry, real estate industry, yeah. worked with a lot of rappers and celebrants. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so the story is a, it's a, it's a very, um, like you say, captivating story. Mm -hmm. It involves 
the government, the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. It involves Lehman Brothers, which is the most one of the most infamous banks on Wall Street that collapsed during 2008. It it involves credit, real estate. It involves mansions, <laughs> Bentleys, <laughs> Bentleys, all of that, all of that. Spreewell rims. So we we <laughs> we, we, we going to get to it. But first and foremost, um, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Nah, no problem, no problem. So, so yes, let's let's get into it. So, people that might not be familiar with your story, they like I said, they might have seen you on TV, or they they might not have. Um, you know, I learned about your story recently, and I was really intrigued by it. So, it's a financial story. Can you start us off at the beginning of of where it starts? Okay, the beginning of where it started for me was really getting dumped at the age of fourteen, right, mm-hmm. by a sixteen-year-old drug dealer. So I was like a good girl, kind of that went went bad. My mom was a school teacher. My father was a transit supervisor. And I wanted a boyfriend, and I got one, right? So my first week of going to high school performing arts in Manhattan, I met this drug dealer boyfriend who, now I grew up um, late 80s, early 90s. So you already know that was like the beginning <laughs> of the crack cocaine epidemic. Money was hitting. My dude was making like $10,000 a week at 16. So I was living this life and, you know, thinking I was a cool kid. And he ended up dumping me for the girl that was 16 years old who made her own money. And he said that he was choosing her over me because she was an independent chick that made her own money. And really, truthfully, the pain that I felt inside is like an undescribable feeling because as a 14-year-old girl already delving in things I wasn't supposed to get involved with, to get the heartbreak after I thought we would live happily ever after like my parents was heartbreaking. So what it did was it drove me to be an independent woman to get my own money because I wanted to show him what he messed up on. So Mm. it created this drive in me that was like nobody's business. Literally in high school, I had went to school full-time and had a full-time job at Haagen-Dazs, right? And it went from that to following my boyfriend's lifestyle, getting into hustling, and then it went from hustling into getting into the credit business. And then I made millions of dollars. So by the time I turned 25 years old, I was a real estate investor making all kind of bukus of money. And again, chasing that thing that was missing inside that never got healed as a 14-year-old. Mm, so when you talk about the credit business, what were we doing? Credit repair? Yes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm an early bird in this. So like when I see yeah. people now, I laugh. Like literally <laughs> 98, 99, 2000, I was taking people from 400 FICA score to 800 overnight. But the thing about now is we have information. Then there wasn't really information. It was the hookup. So I had someone in the credit bureaus that could actually, you know, we paid them a couple of dollars and they made it happen. And that's how I caught my first federal case because, you know, we got jammed up by putting people through our, the credit system that we created. So how did you get turned on to this? Because it's like, all right, like you said, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, the obvious thing to do if you want to, um, you know, act, illegal activity is sell drugs, robbery, stuff like that. At that time, especially white collar crimes for people from the neighborhood, young people, yeah. like who, like, how did you get, like, what, what made you say, like, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. The, cra- the story is going to make you laugh. First of all, I wanted um, uh, a Lexus GS300, and there was this lot um, on Queens Boulevard. Like, if you had a couple pay stubs, and I had a good little bank job. Ironically, I used to work at the bank. So I had a good little (laughs) bank job, had my pay stubs. I went to the Russians, gave them my pay stubs, and they got me my Lexus GS300. Good call. So at the time, you know, only Irv Gotti and Jay-Z had that. Jay-Z, Jay-Z had that. So when I was pushing through in the GS300, everybody (laughs) like, yo, that's your dual car? I'm like, nah, this is my car. So it went from that, and people was like, well, how did you get it? I want to get one, too. So I started helping people get cars, and I learned that I could make more money doing that than working at my 9-to-5 job. So I stumbled on becoming an entrepreneur, right? And then I got into the credit game, helping people to purchase cars and houses and stuff like that. I went from cars to houses, and I wanted to help my people get their portion of the American dream. Hmm, so you're introducing people to credit. I'm assuming the derogatories and late payments. We, 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 we're wiping these out? Listen, 
listen, we <laughs> wipe out <people. laughs> the system is is not even you know people would die for the system today because it's not like you writing a letter, it's not like you wishing or praying or waiting. It's like, hey yo, take that off. I right, we got that one, that one, that one. Next day you wipe clean. And then what we did as well, we added trade lines on. So like trade lines is not new. This is all old stuff. So back in 99, 2000, we was adding trait lines onto people's credit. So we would take people with blank credit and then make them have an 800 score overnight because we understood the system. Mm. So, all right. So at what point do you get into real estate? So ironically, like I, I grew up in real estate because my parents who migrated from North Carolina, they use real estate as a way to overcome poverty. So my father had several multifamily buildings in Brooklyn and I watched him have his tenants pay off his mortgage. So seeing that as a young girl, I was always intrigued by it and I knew that it was the answer. So um, I went to school, I actually got my real estate broker's license back in 1998 and I started selling houses in my, my neighborhood. In Queens? Yes. So, all right, so you're selling houses in Queens. Is this, is this during the time that you, you got the credit thing going? Yes. So I'm, I'm hustling multiple streams of income then. I didn't really understand that at the time either, but yeah, I was doing that. Got so, it. Hey. Yeah. So the, 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 the <laughs> so person comes in, they're looking for the home, their credit is bad. you like, yo, don't worry. I can take care of that. We're going to get you this home. home. That's right. And I really had a lot of uh, like rappers and stuff that were my clients. I grew up around the corner from DJ Clue. Um, me and Ja Rule went to school together. So it's like I got and then um, E-Money Bags. Rest, rest, rest in peace. peace. Yes. Yeah. That was my big homie. So like he put me on the Akineli. Akineli put me on the JG and Dame. And then the story just went on from there. So awesome. all of these people have fresh new money. Right. Yeah. So they had cash, but they didn't have credit. So they couldn't really obtain the things that they wanted. So I became the go-to of the plug, like, okay, you want to get in this apartment complex? Okay, we're going to get approved. No problem. Let me, let me get that bread. I got you. You feel me? Then it went from getting them into apartments to like, listen, let's go buy these mansions. And I actually got introduced to Alpine, New Jersey. Like, and if anybody knows anything about Alpine and Saddle River, these are like estates, right? So these are, are houses that are mansions on two, three, four, five acres of land with swimming pools and tennis courts and all that kind of thing. Um, actually, Biggs, Jay-Z partner, introduced me to Alpine. And when I seen the castles out there, I was like, oh, my God, how do I get into this game? I want to get into these kind of houses. And I figured it out. And it was on and popping from there. So I started bringing, like, way before Diddy moved there, way before Mary moved there. You know, we was in Alpine, and we started bringing in different celebrities to live in these areas. There goes the neighborhood. Shout out to Biggs. We, we... <laughs> oh, don't do that to the neighborhood. I actually think we gave the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah, shout out to Biggs, man. We, 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 we met him a few times. We're going to get him on Ernie Leisure soon enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's up. Uh, He's an individual. So, Alpine, New Jersey. All right. So you, so, you start to buy houses in Alpine, New Jersey. Are you buying it for yourself or are you helping other people? Like, you're like a real estate agent at this point? Well, I'm still a broker, but I'm also an investor. So I was kind of like a business manager. So actually, one of my clients, Akinelli, um, came to me and he wanted to purchase a property in Creskill, which is the town outside of Alpine. And the house that he wanted to buy, he was able to secure it for $1.1 million. But when I sent my appraisals out, I, I, I realized that it came in for 2.2. So I'm like, yo, this property got like a million dollars worth of equity, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is rich people don't want to fix up property. So if something has repairs that need to be done, they don't want that house. They want to move in, everything done, everything the way that they want it to be. So I noticed that there was a lot of houses on the market that we could actually obtain that would appraise. Because if you know anything about appraisals, it's about really square footage, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a house that's the same square footage as a house across the street, you might take two, three hundred thousand off the value if, you know, it has elaborate repairs, but they would be worth the same amount when you do an appraisal. So when I noticed that, I'm like, Ooh. you know, it, it, the, the bell started going off. If I get a couple of these, I could flip them to my celebrity clients and make a bunch of money. And that's how I kind of got in the game. My partner, he was actually in East Orange and Newark flipping houses back then killing the game back then and we kind of joined forces together and i'm like can we take this same formula that you're doing in the hood and let's bring that over to the rich people's area and we could bank 
And we did that. And the rich people were like amazed because we was coming in, renovating houses that they would have knocked down. And we was able to increase the equity pretty quickly by doing it. So you, you were buying distressed properties in rich neighborhoods mm. and yes. fixing them up. Same concept that, you know, shout out to Caesar and Lord of the Slums and Envy and all of them. That's what Kings they do of Patterson. in Patterson, New Jersey. It's very popular, like you said, in poor neighborhoods or middle class neighborhoods. But you took that same strategy and applied it to wealthy neighborhoods. Because there's always, there's always one bad house in a good neighborhood. You could, the thing about real estate, and my father taught me that, it, it just continues to keep going and going and going. It's just about when people are enlightened, right? So, for instance, I bought my, my father helped me per purchase my first property in Brooklyn, and I got it for $200,000 on Colbert Street in Bushwick, right? And I sold that property maybe two years later for like four hundred, dollars and I thought I did something. Like, yes, you know, I got a home run. Guess what that property is worth today? Like 1.7, 1.8 million if I would have held on to it, right? Mm -hmm. So real estate is always evolving. It's just about when you get in the game. And when you get in early, you know you make out better because it continues to go up. So it's about when you get in. So really the market is kind of similar, you know, now to what it was back then in regards to opportunities. So at the time, right, you're buying the distressed properties in these affluent neighborhoods. How many properties did you accumulate? Like, what's the portfolio looking like? I had nine multi-million dollar houses that totaled about $30 million. Big M's. <laughs> so, all right. It's because you said that so you... I had strategy. So now look at what my strategy is. And yeah. um, one of... I know Big Business was on here too. He kind of uses the same strategy, right? The strategy is if you want to increase the value of a neighborhood... You buy everything up in that neighborhood in that price range. So you control the market, right? So my game plan was go in, buy everything in that's, that's low, so there's nothing low available. So if people want to come into this neighborhood, they got to buy high, right? Mm. So my plan was working until the Fed knocked in on my door because basically we would have controlled the market and you couldn't get in because we owned everything that was in that particular valley. How many homes did, did you have? No, that was nine. But I was nine, nine. You had nine homes. So in that area, we bought up all the properties that were in like the $2 million price. Well, that's what, big, that's what another thing Big Business said. Shout out to him when he was on the podcast. He said that it don't, his thing is that it only takes one home to set the comp. And, he, and that's true. So, but when you buy up the market, like you, you're guaranteeing that it, it, you, there is no, it's going to be no other comps that's coming in for low. You are the comps. Huh? I said you are the comps. Yes, you are the comps. Because if you only have one comp, then a bank could kind of dispute it because you know that they go based on three appraisals. They don't go based on one comp. They do the average of three appraisals, right? Like the uh, average of three houses, right? So you want to make sure that ain't no three houses they're going to be able to find that does, that that that's lower. So, all right. So what, what was the illegal part of this situation? How I acquired the houses. So I took a shortcut. I found a mortgage broker, which now people are realizing that's the best way to purchase because when you get a mortgage broker, they're going to know about all the banks and all the programs that you qualify for so you won't just be applying a miss, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a seasoned mortgage broker who had contacts inside of Lehman Brothers Bank, right? So they were getting things pushed through. So at the time, Lehman didn't care. Lehman just wanted to get the, the sale. And what happens is, and at that time, the bank would actually sell your paper on the market. So before you close a deal, they already sold and got, you know, 10 times whatever the number is by... More, more, mortgage mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage-backed securities. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to, to... They didn't care, right? Yeah. So they pushed through everything, and they would tell us what to fix. Oh, you messed up on this W-2. This should be this number. You messed up on these bank statements. So we was giving them inflated paperwork. So that was my crime. You, my crime was I had real people, real credit scores, but I was giving them inflated paperwork. Stated, 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 like stated, but stated income was, 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 was legal stated, but you was just kind of fudging the numbers a little bit. Or the stated income program. So oh, my, mm. I first purchased these properties in 2002, 2003. Oh, stated know. wasn't that popular. Stated became popular around 2003 in, yeah. 2004. So they're, you're creating the numbers, but they're coaching you along the way. Like, yo, listen, this is what you should have, right? They're not right? coaching me. Like, 
Like we got red flags all over the place. Phone numbers not working. They like, yo, change the phone number, fix this, do that. That is why I had a problem just sitting back taking it. Cause I'm like, yo, y'all was down with everything that, you know, the whole point was they was like, yo, you gotta pay your mortgage payments though. Nobody wants to collect a foreclosure. They like, look, long as you pay the mortgage payments and do what you gotta do, we good. And that was pretty much the agreement. So, that was the inside agreement. so you get you get Joe Schmo rapper who has money to pay the mortgage, but doesn't have good credit, might not report a lot of income, so can't really qualify for this $2 million home. You fudge the paperwork to make it look official. You get them in. That's what you did, right? Pretty much? That's what I did. It's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, I've seen worse. In the grand scheme of yeah, things. We've seen a lot yeah. worse. I mean, shout out to our, our boy MG, the, <laughs> the, the mortgage guy. He called it the Wild Wild West, so a lot of things were happening like that. I'm, and, and, and he says, I mean, the stories he's told, um, a lot worse things have happened. I, I'm trying to figure out why the bottom line and i'm glad y'all say this right because it took me a long time to be able to accept the fact that i got a 12 and a half year sentence right because we ain't talk about that right for bank fraud and the white male mortgage broker who i just told you about and the lawyer who used their licenses to push all the fraud through both of those two individuals got two year sentences each so i got six and a half greater time sentence than they got so it was hard to swallow like, yo, I ain't really do much and nothing. And look at what they got. But then I had to realize I took a shortcut. I cheated, right? So because I cheated and I built this great, big, beautiful castle full of sand, right? When the storm came, it was able to ruin my castle, right? So it had to make me change my mindset to realize shortcuts really, most of the time, are the long, wrong route. So today, like, I operate differently. I'm not willing because I know if we get jammed up, I'll jam up as, as black and brown folks is completely different than they jam up. So it really makes sense to take your time and build your house on bricks. Let me ask you this. Let's, let's get back to this Lehman Brothers situation because this is something that's very interesting to me. People that's not familiar, Lehman Brothers was one of the largest investment banks on Wall Street. It was around for 100 years, billion-dollar bank. And it went belly up during the financial crisis. They made movies about this. It was a real big thing. Lehman Brothers was a real, extremely big thing. Yep. And one of the reasons that they went belly up is because mortgage-backed securities. And they had a bunch of mortgages on their books that shouldn't have been on their books. And they were doing all kinds of stuff. So how was your... how? Like I'm, I'm looking at this from like a drug game perspective. Lehman Brothers was like the Cali cartel or like... Yeah. The, the Medellin cartel, like they was, they was big up on the hill. So how you coming off the street, like who was your, how did you get to connect in Lehman brothers and like how high up, like how, how did that work? Can you explain the Lehman brothers situation? So mortgage, it was my mortgage broker. So again, you know, your mortgage broker is going to be connected. My guy was in the game for over 15 years. Right. So, you know, they go from one company to another company. They know all the executives. Right. So mm -hmm. my connect, the connect I had, was very high up and he was dealing with high up executives. So for instance, it was easier for me to close on three and $4 million uh, loans than it was for me to get a Honda Accord. Okay, when I was in the car game. It was literally, we produced the paperwork and two, three days later, we closing on four and $5 million houses like this. No questions asked, right? So people think it's like really difficult to get more I feel like it's easier to get more than less. Wow. So, so the mortgage broker was the, was the connect to Lehman. He was the connect. This was his people's. It's interesting. So at what point does this start to go back? I, I saw another interview when you said like you, you had a lot of like exotic cars and like, was that a red flag? Like when, when they <laughs> see rappers moving in the neighborhood, and everybody else that lives in the neighborhood is a doctor or, you know, a CEO of a company. And they, you know, at what point did, did, did that become like, okay, what's going on here? I need to call 1-800-CRIME-STOPPERS. <laughs> like the, the neighbors actually were kind of infatuated by us. Like we were cool, you know? Yeah. So the thing about me is I always been rich in my mind. I just needed a couple dollars to go with my mindset. You feel me? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Me the bag. I was taking it straight to the top. So we had the matching Bentleys, you know, we had like, we, my, my partner had all um, burgundy cars. I had all white cars. 
at the time, the Spreewell spinning rims was out. We had Spreewells on everything, you know. I had the shades on. I, I was going through the neighborhood. So you just couldn't tell me nothing. You just, for me, <laughs> I made it. You, you feel me? And that was like, I guess, the ghetto fabulous way of showing people you arrived. But I did it for a couple reasons. Now, I'm also a businesswoman, right? So at the end of the day, I know our people are attracted to flashy things, right? So if I pull up and I'm talking that big talk and I'm trying to get a big sale, but my, you know what I'm saying? My costume, ain't, I'm going to call it the costume, right? Yeah. If the pull-up costume, meaning the, the watch you, 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 you got on, you know what I mean? The, the car you riding in and your gang type, they're not trying to talk to you. So I was flashy purposely because that flash attracted the ball players, it attracted the rappers, it attracted the celebrities, and people wanted to know who I was and they wanted to talk to me. And by me having those conversations, once I got through the door, I would pull them all in. And that was all she did. At what point did you start to feel the walls closing in? Or did it happen like all of a sudden it was like, damn, you got this knock? It was like they just knocked at your door and it's like, oh shit, this is over. There were no warnings, right? Okay. Nobody told me, like nobody prepared me for this part of the game, right? Because in my head, I finally arrived. So now I'm associating with the ball players and their wives. I became a little bit bougie. I changed, you know, my little tone. You know, I'm moving along life. My kids are enrolled in all the schools. I'm not thinking that the F-boys is coming to the door. You feel me? So yeah. one day, they, uh, and I, I'll never forget it. It was um, April the 3rd, 2003. There was a fraud alert issue. So this FBI agent had a fraud alert issue throughout the financial service industry that blasted out that the following people are underneath federal investigation. If you get any loans from these people, you see them do any business, contact my office immediately. That was the end of my whole life as I knew it in real estate. And you were, you were, you were, you were on the list? You were on that list? Huh? You were on that list? I guess. Somebody, so wait, somebody called, somebody called in. No, the FBI. So they, they was keep they they, they they were just on. They were just on to you the whole time. No, they really wasn't on to us, the mortgage broker. And this is the stuff that really makes me sick. So the mortgage broker that got the two years, he was doing all kind of frivolous stuff that I didn't know about, right? So mm -hmm. he was being investigated for some other frauds that he was doing. So when they stumbled upon him, right? And I guess they caught us on the wiretaps and started seeing a lifestyle, it attracted it it, it, it kind of merged our worlds. You brought and the made heat. them want to investigate us. But here goes the deal. When we first got under investigation, they thought I was a drug dealer. They didn't know what I was doing. They just seen the cars, all the crazy, and they felt like it was something wrong. So they was fishing at first. The investigation started with them just trying to see exactly what I was into, who I was dealing with. Because now, mind you, I went from the street hustlers. So I started with helping street hustlers get cars. So all of the names that ring bells in the street, I was the person that they went to to get their cars. I went from street hustlers to celebrities to ball players. So I had those realm of people around me at any given time. So when they seeing me, they like, is she a drug dealer? Is she, you know, is she really with a ball player? Like, who is she? So I think that they saw me, they saw my lifestyle. I had Maybox, I had drivers, I had houses on the hill. And I was, mind you, 25 years old. So they looking at me and they know something is not right, but they didn't know exactly what was going on. And as they did their investigation, and let me be clear, guys, anytime you're under federal investigation, I don't really care if you're not doing anything wrong. You're, they're going to find something, whether yeah. it be one wrong check on the tax box. Like when they look and they keep digging and digging and fishing, if there's anything wrong, they're going to find it. Yeah, so that, like they freezing the accounts, everything. What's happening during that time? So that was first, and then I woke up maybe two weeks later, and all my money was frozen. So it mm. was just crazy. You know, I thought I would be able to get past this. Even with the FBI fraud alert, I hired an attorney, gave him a $100,000 retainer. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put my bread on you, and you're going to leave me alone. But that's not the case. Like, once you get these F-boys, it's not like the state. Like, these dudes come with an insatiable appetite. You feel me? So, like, despite the money that I threw after kind of like trying to get it all fixed. And despite the fact, now let's talk about the fact. I had $28 million worth of loans that needed to be fixed, right? Like meaning that had to be paid off. I got the money to the U.S. Attorney's Office twice. And the, the feds shut it down because what happens in the feds is if there's no loss, there's no time, right? 
So you can only do time when it comes to white collar crime based on the amount of loss. So they strategically wanted me to have a big loss so that I could do big time. So you said that you got the money to them twice. What, what does that mean? That means I had other investors. So let's talk about it. I purchased these properties in 2002 before the biggest real estate boost in recent history or boom in recent history for 17 million. I put another $3 million in the properties to renovate them. So I was in them for 20 million. Now, mind you, I got, you know, short sales. I got people that were in divorce or fire sale homes, right? So really negotiated them right. And then the real estate boom happened. So my properties were worth over 30 million in less than a couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. So I had investors, right? Because my investigation didn't start happening until 2003. So I had investors at that time who were willing to purchase the properties from me and still make a profit, mm. right? And that would have cleared the debt. And guess what? I would have been scot-free. I would have never did a day in prison. Because there would have been no loss. No loss. Who, who, like investors, like in the music business investors? Like I got savvy in real estate, right? So, you know, I started finding hard money lenders, people mm. who were, uh, you know, real investors. So like real, real, when you start yeah. moving in them realms and you start having access to those type of properties and things, you start meeting a different kind of people. So I started meeting investment bankers with private investment groups. Um, I brought in, I had hard money lenders. I had all kind of folks who were willing to, you know, basically bail me out. And the, the crazy wouldn't let it happen. The, the craziest part about the story, this is like a legendary story. Is like, we, I didn't know what a hard money lender was till last year. And you've been doing this for, 20, 15, 20 years already. That's crazy. So, so, all right. So you have these properties you brought for 17 million, you put three, 20, but then it just skyrockets because the real estate market goes crazy. Then the $20 million, the properties turns like 38 million in property value. So the investors was going to come with 20 something million to pay off the loans that you have outstanding on the properties, but they're going to pay 25 million, let's say, for almost $40 million in real estate. So they still going to make a profit on it. But um, the government wouldn't let them pay for the properties. Nah, but let me tell you why. So let's talk about it. And I can talk about it now. Let's talk about Christopher Christie. Chris Christie. So let's, before you even say that, so Chris Christie, for people that might not know who he is, Chris Christie was the former governor, governor of New Jersey. He yeah. also ran for president. Yes, he did. And... Uh, he was also thought he was going to be the vice president. For no, a while. I thought he he thought he was going to be um, <laughs> Donald Trump's vice president. No, no, no. Um, district the, the after he didn't make it to vice president, yeah, first secretary of state or something so, like no, what's that. The, what's the top lawyer in the country called? Mm -hmm. The um, defense attorney. No, it's the top. It's the, it's the top lawyer. Anyway, he thought he was going to get that position. But Chris Christie he's a very high ranking Republican for a long period of time. But before all of that, he was a prosecutor. In the state yeah. of New Jersey. So, all right. And he was my prosecutor. So, talk and about. My all right. day, when I got the 12 and a half years and they got the two, he said justice has been served in America. That Chris Christie. Yeah. So, all right. So, Chris Christie. So, how does he come into play in this, in this whole saga? So, he's my U.S. attorney. And what I didn't know, man, I got caught in the, the good boys club battle. So the attorney that I'm giving $100,000 to, right, nobody's explaining to me. Like, all of these people is friends, right? So these are, they, they, they in the good boys club. Your, law, your lawyer and the district attorney. My lawyer, my lawyer, the people I'm hiring to defend me, they down with the, the mix. Usually it's supposed to work out for you because they can negotiate a good deal. But in my instance, when they saw the equity and the properties, they turned against me. So now watch this. I told you what the properties were worth. I told you I paid 17, uh, put in three. So I was in them for 20, right? And I told you because of the, the, the rise, they were worth at least 35, could have been tipping more, right? Could have been closer to the 40 end. Guess what they allowed? The U.S. Attorney's Office allowed Lehman Brothers attorneys to do. To sell the properties to a subsidiary of themselves, to take them back, forcibly so they're not in foreclosure the properties never went through foreclosure right mm -hmm. with the help of the u.s attorney they got the properties back sold the properties to a subsidiary of themselves for one dollar right <laughs> and then offered them for a 12 million dollar discount 
right? So basically, all nine properties for a dollar. Yep, they ended up getting the properties for like thirteen million dollars or something like that. Wow. And then within days, they sold them to all their friends and made millions of dollars. Why did the jail time for the difference? So, because I was going to ask you about refi, if you could refi. So what happens? All right. So if you have a property, you own their house, and they say that you got it illegally, like. How does that work? They could just take it away? It's just take it? Well, now, one of the twists to this that I definitely need to say that I did that was illegal was we had what you call a straw buyers, right? So a straw buyer is a person who's not really going to be have a vested interest in a property, but you pay them for their credit and you pay them for the credentials to get the property, right? So mm -hmm. what the Fed did is put the pressure on those individuals, right, to sign the property back over to the bank. That's how they got it done without a foreclosure. Okay. Oh, so, so they so they threw some money to the straw buyers and like, listen, we're gonna take this. We no, need this. Or, or they they gonna arrest you? Yeah. Oh, like, the press. Oh, like you on the like, jail? If oh, okay, okay. Pressure, like, listen, you know, you're gonna go to jail for a very long time, and if you don't sign this paper, oh, where do I sign? Take it. I just don't. Please. It was one of those kind of things. So they got the properties back that way, and then they wouldn't allow us to bring our investors in. They wouldn't allow themselves to be whole. They sold them to their friends and within days. So it's a crime within the crime. So this is a lot of times people don't see this. It's even when they seize money and things from drug dealers before it ever gets to an auction block that the, the, the general people are ever going to see. There's a back office deal that goes down somewhere where somebody's getting stuff that they don't really are not entitled to are not supposed to have. And that's what happened to me. I was there for That's like the um, I read the book and I saw the movie. Um about Rick Ross, the freeway Rick, freeway Rick Ross. Um, what's the name of the movie? I can't forget. I'm forgetting everything right now, but it was this guy that he was the whistleblower. He was the original whistleblower on the whole situation. And, um, he's told about the government and the, the Contras in Nicaragua and how they was funding the drugs and all of that stuff. And so part of that story is that, um, how the story came about. So how this whole, how that whole thing came about was that, there was a drug dealer in um, in California, somewhere in California, and his wife reached out to the reporter saying, like, the government is taking our home, da 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 So when he looked into it, he realized that it was a whole play. It was like 100 homes that the government had took from drug dealers. So now he realized it was like a whole plot. That's why I actually, like, it's illegal for them to do that. It was a whole plot to... Yeah, it was a whole plot and plan, and that's why they had to be very mean. Right, because I was too outspoken. Had I just let them take it and make their money, I really feel like I probably would have been good. It would have been like, listen, you know, I was the person that was adamant about paying it back, adamant about getting the deal closed because I realized what kind of time exposure I had. Right. So mm -hmm. because they see me so active, they like, yo, we gotta sit her down and shut her up because she's gonna be a problem. So the whole point was let's make sure she gets this 12 and a half year sentence. And I feel like my judge was also involved in some of that because they all the godson of the godfathers like everybody's connected in this multiple family that i didn't know and i didn't discover that until i went to prison and started actually doing fact finding i'm like yo this is scary that's just like y'all y'all homies and i don't really know y'all homies but then i'm trying to fight against y'all y'all really in the back room gonna be like listen this is what we gonna do it's usually they a made-up mind before you even step in the courtroom because deals happen on the um golf course or at you know at the, at the baby's uh a uh, uh, birthday party. That's a fact. Attorney General, that's the name. I, that's what I was thinking about. That's yeah. that's the highest. Um, you said that. Yeah. That's the highest lawyer in the in the country. That's what Chris Christie was trying to become the Attorney General. So yeah, he got caught up in a scandal. He was going to be Vice President, and they had the the Bridgegate scandal. And so he was like, "Yo, we got to put you to the side a little bit." And they were trying right. to give him that job. Yeah. yeah. So you said the judge told you. Um, why didn't you stick to um, Newark or, yeah. or, or East Orange or something like that? <laughs> yep. He said, why didn't, you know, he, he, he congratulated me, told me how smart I was and wonderful. So I'm thinking he about to like, give me a nice light sentence and let me go. He said, however, why didn't you stick to buying properties in East Orange and Newark and areas where basically where you belong, mm. you know? So made it clear that I didn't belong, you know, in the good white boys club. Like you entered into a society that you didn't belong. So unfortunately, you're going to have to pay the price. And the price was a 12 and a half year sentence. 
Yeah, that's amazing that he said that. I mean, not amazing that he's document. thinking it. That's what I'm saying. It's all documented. Yeah, it's like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, does it make it better <laughs> right. if you would have done it in East Orange or Newark as opposed to where you did it at? Like, it's still, a, it would be a crime no matter where you do it. So right. I don't understand, like, the logic behind you should have done it in those neighborhoods. So you get 12, 12 years in jail. Well, 12 years sentence. 12 years sentence. Nine, nine years, years in jail. jail. Yep. And you said you that was, like, more time than anybody in the financial crisis. Combined. Yeah. That's why, like, Forbes did their article about me because they like, yo, how did you get, like, nobody understood. It just didn't yeah. make any sense. But now let's talk about the part of what does make sense, right? So it wasn't about what they was trying to do to me. It was really about what God was trying to do to me, right? So mm -hmm. for me, I told you I was that 14-year-old girl who gave her soul to this boy, never healed, was using all these material things to hide my insecurities, my self-esteem issues, and really just was phased with things that don't really count. So it wasn't until the judge banged the gavel that I realized if it was my very last day on this earth, my maker wouldn't say job well done. I was helping all kinds of people, but not really doing the work that I was created to do. So I really feel like prison for me was the place that transformed me. It changed my mindset. And it got my mental right. It helped me to see what's worth it and what's not. You, A lot of people will work all their life to get all these things and to do all this stuff to die the next day. That's not worth it. You know, if you're going to die, you want to have memories. You want to have family support. You want to be around loved ones. And truthfully, all those people who I thought loved me and who I would have gave my life for left me behind. And when I saw that, I'm like, yo, this is not what I want to do. I need to make a shift. And I need to live life on purpose. What's the thing that I do effortlessly that God created me to do? What's that thing that's going to be bring glory? What's that thing that's going to leave a legacy for my children and my children's children? And I started tapping into that mindset, which ultimately changed my life and shifted me for what I'm living in now. So you led a life that you could write a book on. You started off literally with, <laughs> with, the, with the street hustlers, e-money bags and the likes. And you then you was rappers, then you was in Jersey with Bentleys and mansions. She had the bad boy video kit. Lehman Brothers. <laughs> then you was part of the whole Lehman Brothers situation. Then Chris Christie is is your prosecutor. Then you go to jail for a crazy amount of time. And then in jail, you happen to befriend one of the greatest artists ever, Lauren Hill. Like how does that how does that happen? <laughs> this is a movie. Like how my life is set up like you can't make it up but um lauren was sentenced to 90 days for tax evasion and yeah. um when she came in um i was like high up in the, the jail i was the, the the prison clerk so i had the kind of like the highest position you could have as an enemy you know in regards to movement because for me it was about power how am i gonna live good to live good you gonna have to have power so let me get this power real good quick so i can live good so um the lady that ran the prison at the time she did the intake of Lauren and she put Lauren with me. So Lauren came to me like recommended by her, like, yo, Miller got you. She going to take care of you. And that's what I did. So I made sure she was good. And we just developed this really tight bond. And, you know, to this day, you know, that's still my girl. So that's that one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, but you, you also, you know, you in, increase your entrepreneurial spirit inside, outside of prison. Right. So, a lot of people, when they go there, they say that they got to get their mindset right and get their mindset. And a lot of them do. Um, but you took the time to start writing. Did you have an aspiration to write before then? Or no, I didn't even know I could write. So it was like in that place, I started writing and my mother hired me an editor. And then I started publishing books from behind bars. So I created the Voices of Consequences Enrichment Series for Incarcerated Women. And that's a self-help series to help incarcerated women heal, recognize their potential and recapture their dreams. So I did that as a prisoner. And literally, my books was in prisons across the world. While you're so in prison. Huh? I said. So I would get fan mail from other prisoners like, yo, your book changed my life, blah, 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 blah. And that gave me hope. That's one of the greatest gifts my mother could have gave me. Because I realized, you know what? If I could have that kind of impact inside a prison, baby, when I get out, let me tell you what I'm going to do. So that was my mindset. So that kind of, you know, boosted my confidence and I started writing. I started a nonprofit organization from behind bars. I got several degrees. I got my associates, my bachelor's, my master's, and I started working on my PhD from behind bars and I started empowering other women. So I created a movement. 
That, that's incredible. I mean, we got people right now that's trying to figure out how to publish a book. How did you manage to do that in prison? Reading, right? So um, Dan Pointer, that, that's a, if you're looking to self-publish, that's the best guy. I got the Dan Pointer's a, a Guide to Self-Publishing. I read it from front cover to back cover, took out my uh, highlighter, highlighted all the parts, and then I kind of instructed my mother on what to do. I'm like, all right, mom, this is what we got to do. We got to get an ISBN number. Now we got to get the copyright. Like I followed the book from step by step and I ended up publishing my first book like that. Yeah, shout out to Ash Cash. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's dope too. He came on our podcast and he got a really dope um, course to teach people how to self-publish as well. So one thing about the, the criminal justice system, because we've had a lot of people on our podcast that have been incarcerated. Wall Street Trapper, he's he's a real big um, guy on the stock market. He's, he's huge on the internet right now. Caesar, which is DJ Envy's partner, um, my son. Thanks my son. for facilitating that for yeah. us. Um, Derek Falcon, one of our favorite interviews of all time. Yeah, a long list of, of <laughs> entrepreneurs that have been incarcerated, but they've all been men. You're the first female that we've ever had that's been incarcerated. But the thing about jail that people might not understand is that there's different types of jails. So there's state penitentiaries. Mm -hmm. These are like irregular crimes. Like you rob somebody, stab somebody, you kill somebody, you go to state jail. For the most part, you go to state jail. Mm -hmm. But then a little more like sophisticated crimes or if it's like crossing state lines, like big drug cases, you go to federal. federal That's the fed. Yeah. White collar collar crimes, you go to feds too. So in the feds, there's different types of feds jails, I've learned. Yeah. So you got you got yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have a lot of yeah, you know, you know, I know a lot of people <laughs> that have been incarcerated. Um, so you know, if you do a, a violent federal crime, there's like high level maximum security. But if you do white white collar crimes that they call it, or low level offense, then you go to different so I was reading this book, um, The Wolf of Wall Street's book. Yep. Um, and he was saying, you know, when he first got arrested and he it was like he thought he was going to go to jail like how you see on television where it's like you know it's bad like you know what i'm saying like yeah. he was like scared and he was like when he got there he his 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 cellmate was um the guy from Chicha Chong and they was playing tennis and he was like it was crazy so he was like um it was actually a great networking um situation <laughs> for him it's like not to glorize it but it was like he was like yo it's actually like really pretty yeah. powerful and it's like especially like you, sometimes you got to make the best out of bad situations. So especially like in the camps, that's what some of the, they call like the, the camps, like for the, like the low offense, like mm -hmm. federal, they call them the camps. So you're in there with a lot of like white collared crime criminals. A lot, most of people are extremely smart and it's like people from all over the country because the feds is not just one state. It's like, yeah. So it's actually a very powerful networking opportunity. I mean, you became friends with Lauren Hill how's that going to happen? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of crazy. So can you talk about that? Like, how was that experience as far as... I want to say this, right? Because now there's a difference. The feds back in the days, like in the 70s and 80s, you know, you they was tennis and stuff. That shit does not exist. So I just want to be clear that, you know, you got the camp. Now, when I first got locked up, I wasn't eligible to go to the camp. And that was because of the money amount in my case, my restitution, and because of the length of the sentence I had, right? So generally, when you got like five years or less, they'll let you go to a camp. So I was in an FCI with killers, right, when I first got to prison. And mm. I had to work my way down. There's a point system that you could work your way down to a camp. Now, a camp is a better situation because it's more freedom, but you still are a woman being incarcerated. We don't got tennis. We got to eat what they give us, you know, unless you got the hookup and you got to figure, like, it's a whole nother, you know, so I just want to make sure because people think of Orange is the New Black and Camp Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we have, you know, jo enjoyable moments. And, you know, I can tell you about some times I had and I had a good time. But I want to be clear before somebody want to do the. Oh, yeah. No, nah, don't don't. It's not it's, 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 it's not it's, it's, it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a camp. But 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 because even Caesar, even Caesar, he said that's how he got turned on to real estate. He, he met a guy in jail who was a white collar criminal who's a huge, he was huge. And he was in there for a white collar crime. And long story short, he taught him real estate in jail. Um, and, and now he owns the whole Patterson, New Jersey. So I say that to say, yeah, we can never glamorize it right. or glorize it, but 
you, you do meet you you can meet the opportunity yeah. see the, and i did i met senators state senators i was also locked up with T teresa judice uh from the housewives of new jersey so any of her jail pictures you see i'm in all of them because i helped her stage them so like i mean you're gonna meet <laughs> you know like you're gonna meet some incredible people and i think what it did was it sharpened my networking skills right so i have this keen ability i could be around a person for three to five minutes and i could tell you like you know if there's going to be something to gain out of the relationship, if it's a situation that could be, you know, an opportunity for us to collaborate or do things. And yeah. I got that from me and so many people from so many different backgrounds. So living in close confinements with people from all kinds of different nationalities and creeds, you begin to not be so prejudiced or think that your mindset is right because now you engage with people who teach you because you begin to love them. You might not like them at first, but after you spent seven, eight years, I stayed in one prison, you like, yo, they become your family. So yeah. you, you become open-minded to different things, which opens you up to, to new opportunities. So yeah, speaking of family, right? And now that we just spoke about it, it's the first time I'm thinking of it, right? You're the first woman that we have had on, you're a mother as well. What was the impact on your family outside of, of jail and how instrumental were they in you getting through this process? They were everything. So like my kids were nine and 11 when I left. And um, I didn't return to my kids were 18 and 21. Mm. I missed every graduation, every graduation, right? So I finally last year just got to go to my son's college graduation. That was the first graduation I got to go to as a mom, right? Because I missed all of those crucial years of my kid's life. So um, it just showed me, like I wanted to get this money to, cause my kids have minks and Prada shoes and Gucci this and all this. Like I'm thinking that these things is what the kids want, but really the kids just wanted me, mm -hmm. right? So I hurt the hell out of them by being away from them for that many years. But what I did do was like the way that I was able to cultivate my relationship with them behind bars is I helped my kids set up businesses, right? So literally on the visiting room floor, I helped my son start his clothing line. You know, I was cool with rapper Jada Kiss who uh, ended up helping my son with his rap career and, you know, with my daughter's, you know, her whole thing that she wanted to do with her beauty company. So I engaged my kids by finding things that they liked and showing them what was possible while I was behind bars. And I gained a great amount of respect for them with that. And that was a way that I kind of kept the relations and kept myself alive doing, you know, great things from behind bars. So a lot of times when people come out of jail, if anybody's ever known anybody that's gone to jail, especially for a long period of time, it's hard for them to 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 readapt into the world. Um, a lot of times they go back to jail, and even if they don't go back to jail, it's just like they they're never really the same person. They become institutionalized, and it's hard for them to just to, a lot changes when you're in jail for ten years, nine years. So like when we had Wallow on, shout out to Wallow. He was in jail for 20 years and he came out and hit the ground running on social media. And now he got one of the top podcasts in the world and he's just, they just killing it. So you, you know, was being in jail for almost a decade coming out and kind of similar in the regards to, you know, social media, then being on a reality TV show, the top reality TV show, Love and Hip Hop. How was that? Like, how, how did all of that come about as far as your branding? Like, were you working that on the, on the inside or... When you got out, did you have a strategy? Like, what was, how did that come about? Absolutely. So my conversations with Lauren Hill was key. Like, she changed my mindset. Like, you know, when you meet somebody that you look up to or that you believe in and they tell you, you got it, it really increases your faith to believe. And she suggested, she's like, listen, you around all these stories, start taking some of these women's stories and do something with them. And when she told me that, I went ahead and I produced a high price I had to pay book series, right? And that was like telling stories of women serving decade plus sentences. So I started getting women comfortable to show their faces. And then we started staging prison pictures, right? So we would get our makeup done, our hair done, and our pictures went viral. So I know you didn't see some of our pictures because our <laughs> pictures went viral. And we was on baller alert in the shade room and everybody like, yo, who are these girls that look so pretty in prison? And we did that purposely and strategically to show people that, you know, like what they think is in prison isn't really in prison. And we use that as a way to start telling our stories and kind of like from there, um, Yandy or Smith, who's actually my partner now, she found me on social media, her and her manager, LaToya. And um, it's all she wrote from there. I came home, CBS called me. I ended up doing um, their Pink Collar Crimes right after that. Uh, BET called me to do the Trap Queen series. Um, 
I'm now working with VH1 on a whole nother show. So it just was like, you know, one wave to another to another, but it started with a mindset, believing that I can, seeing my success, knowing that despite the adversity I faced, that no one could deem me dead except me. So if I say I failed, then I failed. But if I say I succeed and look for the good in a bad situation, I can find it. And that's my mindset now. And I even during this pandemic, I had to adapt back to that. Like finding a, the good in every situation, purposely looking for it and, and, and not stopping that search until you find it. Yeah, one of the most admirable things I think it should do, and, and, and I applaud you for it, is going back and going into schools and, and telling your story and, and providing education to children. Um, and I know you have a program. You want, you want to talk about what you've been doing in the schools? Yeah, so basically now I told you guys I was like the prison clerk, right? So the recreation clerk was the person who developed curriculum to help keep women programming and out of trouble and just to have a good morale, like to keep their spirits up while incarcerated. Never did I dream in a million years that that skill set would prepare me to establish a multi-million dollar educational consulting firm. And basically what I do now is I develop programs um, for schools, for cities, for communities, and I teach them ways through my curriculum how to engage high-risk individuals or at-risk individuals. And I show people what's possible. And what we do is pair them up with celebrities and other influences. So kind of like what Lauren did for me, right? I was in my situation and I didn't know I could, if I could come out or not, she gave me hope. So I use people that other people look up to to implement the curriculums that I create. And we, you know, we inspire so many people to push past their fears, push past their pain and make it on time. So let me ask you this as far as, because obviously you have a brilliant mind and you knew a lot about real estate. You had to know a lot about real estate. And I'm sure you learned a lot. Are you are you still involved in real estate now? Are you able to be an investor? I don't think you can, they can stop you from being an investor. I'm pretty sure Caesar's an investor. <laughs> Shout out to Caesar. I don't mean to keep. I don't keep. I don't want to throw Caesar under the bus, but he just his name. His name comes to mind. He made it so that it is that it's against. It's a violation for me to operate in the realm of real estate, right? So that was another purposeful ban. So by the way, I got a $12.5 million restitution, right? I got a 12 and a half year sentence, a 12 and a half year restitution, and then I got a ban to be banned from real estate, right? I think that that was the thing like, okay, if we take this away from her, she won't know how to generate that money again. But the thing about me is you put me wherever and you show me the system, I'm going to figure it out. So I just was able to adapt to other things. So right now, currently, while I'm on federal uh, probation, they call it because we don't have parole in the federal system. I'm not able to operate in the practice of real estate. However, I know a lot about it. And one day I'll be able to <laughs> operate in the, the realm of real estate. Put me anywhere on God's green earth. I'm going to triple my worth. So the, the 12 million rest, restitution, you have, that's, you have to pay $12 million back? Yes. How, how, so how does that work? It just it just has to work. Like So for me, like I put not too much emphasis on it because I got a hundred million dollar plan five years hundred million I'm gonna figure it out like to me like I can't let that barrier block me because if you think about it that was really a life sentence that you issue on somebody so not only do I got to do the time I got this judgment that's a federal judgment lean over my head right until I pay it off because it doesn't disappear bankruptcy doesn't take it away time doesn't take it away so with that said I had to position my mindset to take it away. Mm -hmm. Okay, 12 and a half, that's, that's, that's life. That's, that's short coin. I'm going to get to it, you know, and I got to get back out here and do what I do and figure that out. But I feel like one day that whole story and the corruption of that whole thing that happened to me will unfold and maybe that 12 and a half year, rest, I mean, 12 and a half million dollar restitution will, you know, have to go away. But if not, I guess I have to pay it back. The, the federal government just collects that? What, what, what the Monthly. Monthly, they, I have a set order. They take money from me. And according to my income, my earnable income wages, they are able to come in at any point and take whatever they can. It's like child support, kind of. That, that, a, a, right. a portion of everything. First baby daddy to have or baby yeah. mama to have, the federal government. Yep. That's that's an expensive so child. So they just collecting. Uh, so, I mean, that's crazy. How do you, so, all right. As far as criminal justice reform, right? Because it's like we spoke with uh, my son who did, Seven years? Seven. Seven years um, for, 
ten dollars. I think they he said that they uh, a crime he didn't commit. Yeah, well, a crime that he didn't commit. Yeah. But even I mean, even without com- not committing a crime, I think it was like robbing a cab driver of ten dollars. That's what he was accused of, robbing a cab driver of ten dollars. You, like I said, I mean, you know, you admitted that you you did a crime, right? We're not saying that you didn't do a crime, but I mean, you didn't hurt anybody. You didn't, you know, nobody died. Anything nah. so, and like I said, I mean, there's people in during that financial crisis that frauded hundreds of millions of dollars that got probation. Yeah, that so some would argue that you help people, right? I, I saw in, on one article they were calling you the Black Robin Hood. <laughs> I mean, I did help a lot of people. Truth is, I, I, I helped a lot of my people become homeowners, I educated right. them on credit. And to be honest with you, I'm gonna get back into that. Um, um, MG the mortgage guy, he and I did a live. Yeah, recently he actually uh, empowered some students, and I, I realized I have a gift to be able to help my people, and I got to figure out how to do that because it's necessary, you know. So how do we fix this? Because that's another thing we didn't talk about as well. You're you're an you're an an activist. Um, so how do we fix this criminal justice system that's broken? It's a double standard, and obviously, like cases like yours, my son, is, is obvious that. It's not the same punishment for the same crime, depending on people the skin color. color. Yeah. So what's the what's 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 some I of the things we can do? Social media and people might laugh at that. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just kind of look at the recent cases, right? When people start seeing outrageous stuff and we start making it go viral, people lift up their mouths and and, and start speaking out. And when you speak out, things happen. And that's why I'm an activist today. Because I know that you gotta use your voice. A closed mouth does not get fed. I feel like the more people keep seeing the injustices, the more we're gonna fight, the more we're gonna demand that the laws, you know, be changed. And we it won't happen tomorrow morning, but eventually every day it gets better. It gets better, it gets better, it gets better. And when we join forces and we galvanize, then people get to know don't play with us because we can mess with people in different ways. And it doesn't have to necessarily just be like people think oh i gotta kill you to hurt you nah you feel me you start surrounding the folks house you see in georgia what they did right so they arrested the people folks started surrounding the houses with signs like listen you know what i'm saying there's a way to get folks attention to make them move it's just about using your mind and being strategic about it and i feel like we are gaining some progress and i feel like in time it will happen but we have to unify as a people and teach people how to treat us yeah, and I think, you know, one of the takeaways that I get from your story and a bunch of other stories is like, you know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes our, our best talent is is in jail um, because, you know, they might not have had the, the, the same opportunities. Same resources. That somebody else might yep. have. Like, you know, if, you know, maybe, you know, and everything happens for a reason in life. Mm-hmm. And you can never, you know, blame anybody for anything. But... It, it, it just goes to show you that, you know, don't be so quick to just, you know, look down on somebody or discard somebody because right. a lot of people are, are really smart people that just make mistakes and everybody makes mistakes and just, you know, different opportunities, different, you know, different life paths. Who knows? Wall Street Trapper might be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company right now. Like, you know, if he wasn't, if he didn't grow up in Louisiana, mm-hmm. like, so, so it's like, um, you know, stories like yours, I think is important to show that a, it's never over. Like you can always, you know, change your life. And also to just show people that, you know, it's, 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 it's great to have that ambition, but maybe just funnel it in a, in a more straight arrow and take a little, takes a little longer, Yeah. but the, the climbing up the stairs is going to take a little bit longer, yeah, but yeah. it's worth it. It's worth it. In the long end. You're going to yeah. keep it. So now like I just came home, I just got a condo, right? But literally, the condo, I, I moved back in a community that I bought a condo in when I was 21. You know, I, I'm, I'm double that age now, right? So I'm starting over, whereas I could have did things the right way. It, it, it's just crazy, you know? So for some people, they look at me and they're like, oh, my God, you're doing so well. And I'm looking at myself like, oh, baby, boom. This is, this is you know, I'm grateful, but this, yeah. is, this is not new for me, you know? But had I done things the right way, no one would have been able to take away what I work for. So that's important. That's why I tell people, take your time and get it right. Nah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we got a chance to have this conversation. Yeah. For My mom's sure. going to be excited about this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so anything that you want to make the public aware of? Any initiatives? Any? Uh, I know your book. Your book. Yeah, yeah we got um, something dropping so yeah. very shortly. That's our book too. Yeah, talk about that. Built to let's do it. I, I literally wrote this book about nine years ago when I was in federal prison trying to figure it out. When my mind was all messed up and I thought I was gonna die and I didn't know how I would survive a decade, you know, in federal prison. And this particular book was the roadmap that God literally, literally gave me to change my mindset. How could I take these disgusting lemons that they gave me, you know, and turn them into sweet lemonade? So I outlined the points in my books. It's the 12 points to turning a setback into a major comeback. So, you know, you got to check it out. It's coming out on June 13th. I'm going to have a big virtual book signing. You know, we got to do everything virtual now. I'm going to have some incredible, phenomenal speakers coming to talk and empower people. And it's just good fuel, good food for the soul. Inspiration. Uh, I'm look, looking what's, what's your to social it. media handles and, and are you coming back on Love and Hip Hop? Is that going to happen or? <laughs> so Yandy's my partner. So I get on Love and Hip Hop by happenstance because they follow her real life. And together we're in the schools. We're together on, you know, doing activism. So I kind of get into that because I'm just there and it just it's I'm a part of her storyline because I'm a part of her life. So, yeah, that I most likely wherever she's at, you're going to pretty much see me. <laughs> You know, and then, um, like I said, I, there's a new show coming out on VH1 that I'm going to be featured on. So stay tuned. I'm not privileged to, you know, re- release all the details right now, but that's coming up. And it's just so much going on. But, you know, even our activism, check that out. Forget the shows. Yeah. I'm doing this on the front line. You know, we've been there. We was there for MDC when they turned the lights and the heat on. We came, we rallied around the jail. And guess what? We got the lights and the heat back on. So that's what we do. We move us and we shake us. We fight for our people because we love our people. Stand with us. Follow me. You can follow me on um, social media. My Instagram and Twitter handle is at Jamila T. Davis. That's J-A-M-I-L-A-T Davis. And I'm on um, I'm on Facebook at author Jamila T. Davis. You know, check me out and follow me, guys, and follow the movement and join in. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Troy, housekeeping item? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. You know that as our Proud to Pay program. We have five different tiers. Uh, you get a lot of things with those tiers. You get ad-free episodes. You get discounts to the merch. And you get access to EYL University, our online educational school, which is the number one business school in the world. We're claiming it. We're saying it now. So shout out to everybody that's on there, all our earners. And uh, shout out to everybody that's been supporting our merch um, on EarnYourLeisure.com. Merch is moving. Assets over liabilities. You know, that's our slogan. That's our thing. They, they can try to replicate it, but they can never duplicate it. So um, we're going to keep pushing that, and uh, we're going to keep, keep pushing out content, man. We appreciate all the support. Yeah, for sure. And don't forget to like, subscribe, whether you listen on YouTube, Apple, wherever. Um, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next and week. Go get her book. Don't play around. Don't play yourself. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Go get it. I Peace. Fact. Peace. Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.